Welcome to episode 135 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. Yes, I said boys. For the past three weeks, it sounds like it's been a one-on-one breakdown, but we got a full boat. Yeah, we're going to need some life jackets on this boat because it's illegal to be going around the internet, surfing around like this with this many people on board. So, yeah, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to break down... Uh, blood and guts that just happened moments ago. We're going to get our fresh reactions and takes to that crazy match. Um, and also something big happened earlier on the first half of dynamite. I can't wait to hear about that more breakdown there. And then also uh collision has finally arrived by delivering one of the best matches of the year. I would have to say, and we're going to get into that, how that all went down and uh, yeah, let's get to talking to this crazy group of gentlemen that we're speaking with tonight over in Glendale, a guy who keeps it regal. His name is Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grobby? Light the fuse. Bring the boom. Dynamite. <laughs> Do we know who sings that? Like, who's the band? I'm happy you asked that. The song is named Dynamite by No One Hero. And now you know the rest of the story. And if you (laughs) can't wait to hear it again, go back and listen to one of the old episodes of Keep the Kayfabe where we play this game, Hit My Music. It's one of the songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Since I didn't win that, uh, I don't want to talk about it right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he only wins uh, King Booker's. I think I'm a music guy. No, I think Charlie won by default one time, too. Well, either way, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners who haven't heard Hit My Music yet. But it's a really fun game that we like to play where it's kind of like name that tune for wrestling intro music. So if you're a big wrestling mark, that's that's some uh, must listen to ear candy for y'all. So, yeah, good to see you, Steve. Looking good. He's wearing the cutoff. Sun's (laughs) out, guns out, eh, guy? That's why I'm undefeated. Word up. Awesome. All right. Let's cruise down to Bayview, a man that has just arrived back from the Big Apple, but he likes to keep it freshly squeezed. Mr. Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? It was just a bunch of noise in the background. God. So I don't know how you guys feel about Jack Perry's new entrance music. I I feel like it's meant to draw heat. For me, I just kind of, I don't know, I dozed off for a minute there. I like that. Wait, uh, Baltimore is gone? Oh, of course, that's a a babyface song. Yeah. The day he he came out and turned, he was like, you're never going to hear that song again. And And then he played it tonight. Yeah, (laughs) right. But then he buried it in a grave. In a grave. Well, that's probably uh, thirty grand down the drain for Tony Khan buying the rights to that song and no longer uh, being able to play it, eh? Well, 
I don't yeah. think Jack Perry is going to care too much because he's now a champion. Wow, I did miss a lot. Full disclosure, folks, I did miss the first hour of Dynamite tonight, but I did see Blood and Guts, which is our first topic. But we can't get to that before we introduce the man with the golden pipes. He's in Ohio, Mr. Gary Williams. What up, Gary? Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. <laughs> I wish for, they, for our listeners out there, this is much better as a video podcast. It tonight. would be oh, tonight time. would have been a good video, but dude, it's been apeshit since the record button was hit. They're trying to make me crack and break with the intro. Damn. Yeah. Gary, bring the air guitar too, bro. I That's didn't right. know you were so talented. Baby. I Well, God rest his soul. My father was the greatest air guitarist ever. He also sang most songs without the right words. So oh my I God. Used... He gets the words wrong to everything. <laughs> <laughs> but he would just bellow out whatever word it was. He didn't care. He would, he would try to convince you it was that word. So I've been very, very good so far, I believe, in... Uh, in uh, in our reporting and making sure the lyrics have been accurate in the songs that I've represented, but um, but I felt like this was a very apropos song given our topic tonight. Definitely, and I'm a big believer in that. The more like you have to constantly be selling. If you're going to sing out loud, and you get the words long wrong, you have to almost sell it hard enough to make the listener feel like they don't know the words. You it, just like, describe Gary's dad. And it's like messing up names. If you're going to mess up one name, you got to mess up all the names. Mess them all. I think, basically, I, mean, I think, hey. I, and I think George Valentine would agree with that. And so is Steve Grubshit. I mean, he would, he would agree <laughs> yes, as well. Yes, that's right. Dude. Well played. Dude, we, oh, my God. We got to have, like, a trivia. Actually, Matt, that would be another great game, is if um, we could have the real names of the people and then – figure out what names i gave them would yes, be like that's uh, a great one would, would be a funny ass thing not to toot my own horn like create a game around me but like god damn i got some i'd play it i would definitely play a game i just titled called name that name <laughs> yeah. that's perfect and, just have, and then the cover art for the instagram page would just be me in a dunce cap like <laughs> doing like i don't know it'd be real I easy like for this. the listeners to find that game for sure Unlike Hit Dude. My Music, it, but it is out there. Check it out. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Not Stitcher. Mike, Mike, you, Mike you sell. You sell You sell it yeah. every time. I mean, I was literally on a run uh, on vacation <laughs> listening to you and Steve. And when you bellowed out um, Steve Grubshit, I literally... I literally almost fell over while I was running because I was laughing so hard. And so if there's other vis uh, listeners, I was one who really enjoyed, enjoyed your yeah. full. So well, Gary, that's funny. You say that. Cause I was also on vacation this past weekend <laughs> and I saw that the latest episode of high spots dropped, which for our listeners go back and listen to the last episode, really great content. Stephen Mike yeah. killed it. They but did. there was a line in there where Mike said Steve Grub shit and Becky and I were sitting there in the hotel room and I hesitated for about two seconds. And then I looked over and we both looked at each other at the same time and in tandem said, did he just say grub shit? <laughs> and then as we said it, Mike goes, wait. And then we, 
<laughs> immediately listened to the re- it was f- fantastic episode love it oh my god Man. trust me that all the all the botches that i do on names i i wish i could take ownership and be like a don Callis, like i totally work you mm-hmm. they're all pretty genuine mm-hmm. i i don't i don't try but um you know it creates good content and i'm all about putting the boys over you so are. the golden lovers, we still we're into that we weird are. shit like uh yeah. grobe shitting and you know it just yeah. kinda comes well, out naturally. So it's really, oh, that's, yeah. It's good to know. <laughs> anyway, know. yes, the golden lovers did an amazing job on the last episode. I was <laughs> really really proud of both of you. So really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun times, definitely. And speaking of weird shit and fun times, we had a blood and guts just happen. Moments ago on AEW Dynamite, it's one of their classic matches that they work in every summer. It's right around the same time, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of yeah. like a pay-per-view like it would be like uh, Hell in the Cell or Elimination Chamber or, or, or anything that the WWE would put out. But they put it on free TV, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And if I was like five, six, seven, eight, I don't know, flipping through the channels and I saw this, shit like this would change my life. And I would be... I would be kind of hooked because that's how I was looking at. We were kind of talking about this before we hit the record button. Matt mentioned like, you know, we watch a lot of wrestling and we almost become numb to some of these antics, but it is pretty crazy the way that they find new ways to work in uh, very painful objects and do it for an hour. And I don't know, we're going to break down a lot of stuff, but if I'm seeing this as a young fan, my mind would be totally blown. And this comes out year after year. So it's just one of these matches, one of these nights that you definitely have to tune in because you kind of have to see it to believe it. And we're going to get into those high spots pretty soon here. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about Blood and Guts. So uh, we just saw it just a second ago. It was between the Blackpool Combat Club, who had the recent edition of Pac. Love it. <laughs> Great edition. Makes total sense. He's... he's um. He fits, he fits in that group perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then we saw a little action later that we'll probably get into later. But uh, also, the Elite had their secret weapon, Kota Ibushi, uh, come into the fold, which was another great addition, which even sweetened the deal uh, for this entire match. So pretty much everybody in this match is a badass. I mean, in their own and, right. You can and, make an wheel, and Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I mean, Wheeler Yuta is world-class. I mean, he's not the most popular and he's not the biggest shining star, but you could, I mean, that guy could go down to Mexico. He could go to Japan. He could, he could wrestle anywhere and maybe be the match of the night if he's paired up properly and booked properly. Um, And he held his own tonight too, but basically everybody in there is tough as nails. Uh, And speaking of nails, there was a bed of nails incorporated into this match. I yeah. want to know the sick puppy that uh, constructed that thing, you know, on the crew of AEW. That was the first time that I've seen a bed of nails in a little while. So, uh, Gary, uh, what did you think when you saw this thing pulled out from under the ring? And, like, we kind of saw Kenny Omega get uh, ricocheted with a little shrap metal aftermath, too. I thought he was going to split a – I don't know if there's an artery in your arm. I don't want to botch uh, body parts. I I just botch names. So all the doctors out there don't go coming after me on Twitter and 
uh, threads now, I should say. A couple things that, uh, that struck me about your intro here. The first thing is I remember, and uh, Steve, we probably can echo this, but War Games, when it first came out, I was a young teen and it mm-hmm. did make an impression on me. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved seeing the horsemen against Dusty and the Road Warriors in those similar type, you know, and, and it's the same concept, um, you know, and I, I mean, it did make a, a huge impression on me. And so the fact that we get this on live TV is pretty cool. I mean, it, and it's, it's pretty awesome that of all the different pay-per-views that people run, you know, this is, this is one live, you know, weekly show where you're like, man, this last hour, you know, I, I text a couple of times. I think I remember texting in the group chat, like they have 30 minutes to go and they're all in the ring. Like what the heck is going to happen? But, but to your point on the bed of nails, you know, that boy, you know, I, so I, I, I have to be honest there were, I, I am getting a little weary of the glass and the thumbtacks. I just feel like I still, maybe as a traditionalist, I struggle with some of those because I really think that like there's an unknown element. Now, maybe it's a work working glass and it's not actual glass glass. We don't know. And I'm not going to speculate on that, but you know, then the thumbtacks are thumbtacks like there, you know, you can clearly see, but that nail spot, it's like, holy cow. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the just the thinking of having to go through that. I mean, like, how do you know, how do those guys and I guess this is a bigger question of just the philosophy of that match. Like, how do those those 10 guys, you know, as they're designing this match, be like, yeah, you know what? I'll do the nail spot. They pulled out that glass in the first like. Oh, five, six minutes of the match. So it was all over the place throughout the entire match. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yes, they're putting their hands. I mean, I'm a fucking pussy when I watch this stuff. If I get like I work with glass for a living. I mean, I've had lots of glass stuck in the bottoms of my feet. If I barefoot around my house or in my workroom when I like because I make candles out Mm -hmm. of booze bottles, uh, there's little pieces. And they, I've just I've done it for eight years. So it's like, oh got one well yeah. i'll just walk this off stuff like that so maybe i'm not as big of a pussy as i think but when you put your hand down and uh. you're walking they gotta have some thick soles i mean you see it in their back like mm-hmm. throughout the whole match it's yeah. stuck in there it looks like a freaking bulletin board yeah. um some of these guys so it, it's hard to, it's hard to watch some of it because you're thinking to yourself like as much as you are caught in the suspense of the moment and no matter what, you know, as much as we talk about the realism of wrestling, this is that point for me when it gets too real where I'm like, well, like, I, I don't know. I, it, I don't know how Steve, Matt, I don't know if it, how you feel about that. I, you know, Matt, you mentioned it earlier a little bit about like, you know, getting weary of some things, but you know, I mean, John Moxley, I mean, how many times can the guy, bl- I mean, it seemed like every time the guy, you know, he'd blade he pour blood. Then all of a sudden you'd look at him and all the blood would be gone. And then like you pan back. And the next thing you know, he's full of blood again. And it's just, it was like crazy. Like, I don't know how Renee is in the back and we're like, Oh, that's my husband. You know, like, I know. him, him reaching down for that razor is like taking a key toke for some people. Like, I think he's addicted to it. Cause it looked he like he got be. bloodier when Abushi came out or 
uh, like all the attention was back towards the ramp and like it pans back to Moxley and he just looked more bloody. But he just put Kenny through the through the um onto the nails. I didn't even see he, nothing happened to him. Like Kenny was still writhing from the nails. I'm like and all, all of a sudden, sudden he's, he's covered in blood. Covered in blood. I'm like, what the hell? I think something really interesting about this match. Up until the end, he was the only one bleeding. Like early on, he stuck a fork in in Hangman yes. Page and Kenny Omega, and they didn't blade. And I was like, I wonder why. It's just I made a note of that because it's like, did they decide that they didn't want everybody to bleed? Well, they uh, Kenny Omega's done that multiple times. Um, I've seen with him and Moxley on matches prior to this on either pay per views and even regular tv moxie will take the fork to him and he's like no i'm not blading you know so it's interesting i wonder why hmm. yeah i you know oh. <laughs> yeah. i mean if you watched we can well we can talk about this on another up on another episode but if you watch the abdul of the butcher uh dark side of the ring the old uh hep c might be a good reason why some of them are you know i'm like i mean that's precautionary that's part of the Abdullah the Butcher story is just unfortunate um, mixing of blades. And, um, but that's gotta be, I don't, it's gotta be on the forefront of their mind. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I, I never really thought about that, but you make a really good point. Um, to just to talk though, a little bit about like the broader, my broader thoughts on the match, Mike, you kind of alluded to this earlier. We had been texting as a group, and um, even before we hit the record button tonight, one thing I shared with these guys is, and I hate to say it because I, I've i talked multiple times on the podcast about how I'm like a big fan of hardcore matches. Something about this match, I, like the switch finally turned off for me, I think. Like I'm just kind of numb to the glass, mm-hmm. the thumbtacks. I will say the bed of nails really got my attention. Um the first bump into or onto the bed of nails, I was like sticking my fist in my mouth and like cringing on the couch. <laughs> um, as a very amateur magi- magician, I knew that it was safe <laughs> uh, with how the nails were spaced and everything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, you know, if, if you don't know these things or if you've never seen a bed of nails before actually in use, my God, you're thinking these guys are going to kill each other. Yeah. Um, and given, you know, the right circumstances, you know, Gary, you had said the room for error in these kinds of matches, when you start doing stuff like this, it goes up a lot. And I think that still holds true, you know, especially for a bed of nails, but yeah, with glass, assuming it's not sugar glass or something like that. Yeah. There's just, these guys are giving it so much in these matches. And frankly, I, it's been a good story between the elite and the Blackpool combat club. I don't know that I've really cared about the animosity between the two groups as much as I've cared about Don Callis and how he fits into mm-hmm. the whole picture. I think he's really the star of this feud and it's unfortunate because he wasn't really part of the match in any way. And not that I wanted that necessarily, but it just, I don't know. I feel like had they shifted and focused more on him and Kenny and their history together and kind of how that all works, I feel like it would have been just a better vibe overall. But regardless of all that, it's amazing that they do put this kind of a match on live TV. You never see this kind of shit on WWE TV. Um yeah. By the way, I do want to give a shout out to WWE because without watching the Cruiserweight Classic back in 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. I probably was was still to this day would never know who Kota Ibushi was. He was actually mm-hmm. in that tournament. Yes, true. And then I consequently <laughs> saw him in New Japan. Yep. So I kind of slowly figured out who he is, how amazing he is, and now he's in AEW. Like, amazing. Didn't we 
didn't he come and wrestle with uh, Bobby Roode at Turner Hall? Didn't we see that guy? I don't know that it and was NXT? Kota Ibushi. Not, I yeah, I don't think he ever did a stint there. No, I know he's part up. of the Cruiserweight Classic, but besides that, all the wrestling he's done that I'm aware of was in New Japan. I wonder if it was Kushida. Uh, yeah. Huh. No, no. I like. I could have swore. I don't know. I got to maybe go back and look because I took hella photos of Bobby Roode because I was, I was fucking marking out to that song. <laughs> and I could have swore he tagged with them. And I was like, wow, this is pretty wild that this guy from Japan is in here. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be totally wrong. I mean, I'm kind of known to... I took to... 8 million pictures, and I went to every single NXT show. I will go through and look. All right. Please do, Steve. You're glorious. Um, one of you. the things that I thought was awesome in this match was when one of the Jacksons was sprinkling the thumbtacks mm. from atop from the, top. The, yeah. the cage down onto the bottom, and it's his team, the elite, that was on the defensive and they turned it into an offensive move by putting uh Blackpool combat club mm-hmm. members over their backs onto the thumbtacks. I thought that was very good. There has to be, every time you do one of these matches, that's the thing you have to at least have one thing that nobody has ever seen before. And I thought that was one of them I've never seen. And then Shivani actually pointed it out where Pac did like a coup de gras onto someone through the table between the two rings mm-hmm. and he's like i have yeah, never seen great. that in my entire life so when you can like at least just work in one or mm-hmm. two like innovative moves that it's never been done never been seen mission accomplished with this thing everything mm-hmm. else it's like okay let's just uh let's just go out there and give it a show and it, it the problem is it is kind of a little just too showy because mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of different stables in this blood and guts a scenario like uh the pinnacle we like that's a interesting combination of people we've had the inner circle we've had this and that but the like the guys like the young bucks who are just total spot fest like basically Shawn michaels hbk 1995 96 times two it's almost like too much too much entertainment where this match is supposed to be all about kind of gore and carnage a little bit yeah carnage um, so that's just the thing that kind of distracts me a little bit. I mean, I don't need to see 60 super kicks in a blood and guts match. I do want to see the innovativeness. <laughs> on, yeah. Yeah. And it, and when they're in the match, it is what you're going to see, but they, I mean, they are like, they're almost too perfect for a match like this. The young bucks, you kind of want it to be a little, um, like get some guys in there that aren't perfect. Because then it'll actually add a little bit of like, oh my God, are they really hurt? Like Eddie Kingston, like a guy yeah, who he would have been is not the most graceful and he has been in blood and guts matches and like, yeah, he does like put on that show, but you kind of like want to get someone in there where you're really feeling for them. Like we talked about Terry Funk, like you always felt for the guy, like he was really hurt. You need like a mankind guy in there. You need that pretty boys like Adam Cole, or excuse me, um, Hanger and the Young Bucks. Love Kenny. Guy can do any match he wants. Like, anytime he's on TV, I'm fine. But I kind of want to see some of the mid-carters get into a match like this. And I think it would boost their stock. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. I I feel like a lot of the guys we see in these Blood and Guts matches are well-established and, you know, kind of already on a good run by the time they get to this point. 
I think that's kind of just the nature of these matches, though. They're meant to be a blow-off to a really hot feud. So by the time you even get to it, these guys are already over like Rover. But mm-hmm. to your point, could they have a blood and guts match with some more mid-card level guys? Like put uh, Miro in there or something. Wardlow. Yeah. Like have them do something crazy so you're like, wow, that guy's legit. Man, I think that that for me might have been the problem is I really wasn't emotionally invested in the in the, the uh in in the story right because like it it's almost like they're all blurred like they've all been faces they've all been heels they they get cheered when they're supposed to be booed like it is just this it was an odd combination of 10 people like an all-star game (laughs) yeah don't exact no steve i think that's a great analogy almost like i think i almost think to some extent it was just way too superpowered and Mm -hmm. to be honest the 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 end result of pack and uh, Takeshita just kind of walking out. Like what did that accomplish? Really? Like, I guess it's going to set something up, but I got to be honest, like that was deflating. There really wasn't a good, I, I don't have a good taste in my mouth about like what's next because it's like, what? Like, like where do they all go? Like they're going to have like a like- three man, a three team feud next. We're like, you know what I mean? I don't know where you go from here. Do you do a stadium stampede? That seems too comical to end a feud. Because yeah. they each want a major match now. So it can't be over, really, in theory. Since there's not a lot going on right now, hockey, NBA, baseball is kind of like after the All-Star game and like a doldrum, playoffs are way off. People, like, they need to have something good. This match does serve to grab your attention, but they didn't really serve themselves up with long-term storytelling at yeah. the end of it. Yeah, you're right. I ended kind of full. Well um, I just had a couple quick hitters I wanted to get in before we move on. Um, first of all, like, I don't know. I I, um, I meant to send it to our the four of us, and I sent it to the wrong text, but at one point I said... Is it just me or is a bushy like really low energy? Like mm-hmm. considering the hype and the golden lovers and all that, he like first of all, it was kind of comical how slow it took him to get to the ring. It's like your team's getting mm-hmm. their asses kicked and they're outnumbered and you're preening your way. You know, like you took the longest to get to the ring as anybody. And he just seemed really like, I don't know, he did not he just seemed like, like he guy? was almost in slow motion the whole time. It was Shock- weird. Shockingly, Ibushi's like 40-something now. Like, he's, yeah. he's not a young oh, guy. Oh, okay. And, and what's amazing, though, is he looked really out of shape. Like, if you've seen him in Japan, the well, guy yes. is like a human Barbie doll normally. I thought, I, I, I man, when he was, when he walked out, I was like, wait a second. Like, the videos that I've been seeing, like, that guy was chiseled out of rock and granite. This guy mm-hmm. looks like a tub of goo. Like, what's It was on? really weird. I don't know if they just kind of like, oh, you know, reunite the golden lovers. People will cheer. He got a huge pop, obviously. But it was like... But Steve, if you were it him... It was not a... He didn't... He gets it. He did not get a, a plus for this performance. But Steve, if you were him, would you, would you put yourself... And a one, sh- now maybe he'll have more, but on your first shot, would you put yourself through a table or tax no. or glass? I wouldn't have done it either. And I think he was just, I think he was being really cautious. Like they just kind of like, okay, him coming back was like the mm-hmm. story and he just kept it easy. That that would make as much sense as anything. Oh yeah. He was coasting. He, he never yeah. got out of mm-hmm. like second gear. 
it like it was just the the run up and yeah he looked more like the guy that eats the hot dogs rather than the <laughs> abushi that was who who's the guy who eats the hot dogs uh, Tanahashi Kobe, or the Kobe 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 shake? yeah yeah so <laughs> name that name <laughs> yeah is that a new classic it's on the list <laughs> anyway it's not, you just made one other list. thing I wanted to mention too that I thought was funny was that it's just a comical thing. It's not like it was a it's a knock, but it's like be, to be the badasses they were. The Black Cool Combat Club took the long way into the ring every time, yeah, and essentially like wasted time on the advantage they had. And then the the elite would just come straight down the uh, ramp and like be right in there. It was like it's, it's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know, you gotta, Hey, that's the kind of shit you do. Like when you commit, when you commit to a thing, you gotta, you gotta commit to the thing. And then again, sometimes it doesn't make sense for certain matches. So, you know, so, so what would you give this as a grade? I mean, the Uh, cast was all star, but the match itself, what would you give it a grade? I give it a B minus. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say too. Uh, I would have said, I would have said B, um, and I think a lot to do with the fact that, out of pure respect for all the things that those guys put themselves through to entertain us at home, I don't, I don't, you know, if uh, if John Moxley's listening to our podcast, I don't want our assessment of the situation because I know he's a great listener of ours. I, I don't want him to view our assessment not in appreciation for what they do i just think you know in some ways uh, with AEW, i was i was just hoping for just a little bit more of the story but maybe the whole context was just like here's a big blow off it is what it is which isn't terrible either but then again i would have it left me wanting more okay yeah i thought the i thought the creativity was there i mean they always get an hour so it's mm-hmm. like if you if you put it up against past ones, that's the thing. It's like these guys do all this brutality, but these matches never translate to anything that was like, oh, my God. It's never anything like, you know, the Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in the Cell in Pittsburgh. It's, it's always just like, okay, I saw it, and uh, what's for dinner tomorrow? You know, like it's kind of an afterthought. So I would, yeah, give it a B minus B, but I appreciate all their hard work. One so. one last thing for me is I, I wonder to some extent, and this this rears its ugly head, unfortunately, all too often with AEW production, which is, you know, when you watch WWE production, their camera angles and they're, they're aware mm-hmm. of where spots are going to be. And AEW still has not figured that out. And I think I that that, so, yeah. that takes away from a match like this because like the, the pock spot we didn't see live, but, but they had the other angles, but it's like, well, wait a minute. Like why weren't you, you know, and you can say, Oh, they're, you know, it's, it's more authentic or more whatever. You don't, you, you never know what you're going to see. That's just not how a theatrical actually the wrestling event is but that's just I, I think we need to take it down to a C plus Gary because of the camera angles because I saw a lot of shit that was like even in the picture in picture there was more interesting stuff going on in the picture in picture and then there was uh, a a, pro, a a preview for the haunted mansion for Disney <laughs> plus coming up and I'm like oh that looks cool but then there I was agree. like a triple pile driver 
going on and yeah so i don't All right. know man. so i'll i'll Maybe. raise your i'm gonna raise your c plus to a b minus for consensus on this that they actually did the um the red cross ad yeah, that was during cool. blood okay, right. and the and the announce team even was like wow that's crazy that yeah that's i'm glad they acknowledged it. i am too for sure i think that's brilliant and i think the blood drive that would actually be like that's great marketing great synergy and i think fucking john moxley should be their poster boy he should i don't know the amount of blood he's he's given up on television it could probably uh keep 20 people alive oh my god i mean imagine the cardboard cutouts that they could promote all over the nation i mean he should be getting a hundred thousand dollars from that it's a non-profit let's go well he li- he listens Donate so, blood. you know you know what to do well as an aside but maybe a transition to some but uh, you know when um, the, when the announce team did recognize that, I will say that that is one thing that separates them from the WWE, which is their the announce teams are far more authentic. Like yeah. the other ones feel very still feel very McMahonish scripted, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but the AEW guys like if you actually really listen to them they crack each other up there you can clearly see that there are things they have no idea they were going to say oh, that yeah. Yeah. happens and i love it you know and the whole taz thing i mean you know like he was he was it was awesome early in the show um when you know jungle boy uh jack perry uh won the title by nefarious means and you know he just he was like grumpy pissed he was you know he was almost like why is the camera on me right now you shouldn't be on me and and yet it you know it was a playful kind of i don't know they do a really good job and i and i just feel like their announced teams really do help they're more important to the show than sometimes the wrestlers in the ring for sure because Mm -hmm. yeah you're right gary the reason i don't love wwe is because it is so sterile it's so Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's so like vanilla like mm-hmm. i love a little action the only critique that i have with the aew guys is just like i don't like it when they're like eh, this is so fun buddy like <laughs> like they take you out of the moment like yeah. when they should just constantly be selling never never break the mm-hmm. the the viewers mystique of the whole thing yeah, but, I actually think yeah. that's been better since JR's not been on because I think definitely like, he's got this weird like too cool for school thing that he does like in his later years where he, he yeah he can't help himself like when he makes fun of uh he, I mean he hasn't been on in a while but he do the listen when uh Caster was doing this thing and it was like it, you could tell he was legit annoyed by it and it's like dude this guy's a baby face shut the fuck up exactly well exactly. I was I was on collision when um it's it's ian riccavani i believe is his name or the he he um subbed in for kevin kelly or maybe he's replacing kevin kelly i'm not sure i think um, kelly was in japan yeah oh, that's right he would be with the he would be there but he was excellent i thought on collision and uh, he really actually made and he played better off of nigel because he was so almost over the top excited about everything going on and nigel was able to like dig, put the diggers digs in on him and boy it just felt really it was a really neat energy and i i just you know i really think they're they're that group is doing a great job the announced team you can't overstate it enough so important to it yep mm-hmm. 
And speaking of important things, there was a little piece of important things that we have to get to tonight that didn't involve blood and guts. It happened between Adam Cole and somebody else, right, Matt? Yeah, this was, to me, the match of the night, um, on, at least on this episode of Dynamite. I mean, don't get me wrong. We just talked about blood and guts for a long time, and it had its highlights, and a lot of people, I'm sure, are going to love it. But this Adam Cole, MJF, frenemies storyline that's going on right now has got to be my favorite thing on AEW TV. Um, I mean, for those of you who don't watch AEW regularly, number one, welcome to the show. You clearly are in the right place. But secondly, um, just to catch you up a little bit, so Adam Cole, MJF, Adam Cole wrestled MJF for the AEW World Championship, loses the match. AEW decides to have this blind tag elimination tournament. These two get paired together. Just like the worst possible pairing, right? Somehow they become like drinking buddies, but neither of them has really betrayed who they are. And they just realize that they need to win. They both want to win. That's the common thing they have. And as the weeks go on, these two have grown to be like the ultimate tag team in AEW. They're both phenomenal wrestlers. They got great chemistry. They're hilarious. There's nothing you can't like about this entire storyline right now. So Tonight, though, at the time of this recording, we're watching Dynamite. They have a match against Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. So the match starts off. Daniel Garcia at the moment has this whole thing where he does it like a dance, right? That's like his <laughs> shtick now. So he starts doing that in the ring while MJF is face-to-face with him. So what does MJF do? He does the same dance, and it's awesome. And these two start going back and forth trying to outdo each other with this dance. So MJF is then, without a microphone, yelling at the crowd, you want to see a dance-off? And like just trying to get people worked up, right? So I'm thinking, okay, they're going to do this a few times and then get into work in the match. Well, MJF gets out of the ring, goes over to the, the bell person and the timekeeper's table, hits like a button on a mixing board, and this 1970s-era disco music starts playing. It was excellent. He gets back in the ring, and these two start dancing like pro-level dancers, and the lights go down. There's a mirror ball. I'm like, wait, am I asleep right now? Like, is this really <laughs> happening? Yeah. It was probably the it was the funniest thing I've seen on AEW in a while, and it led to an actually really good match between the four of them, too. Um so definitely worth going back and watching. Post-match, there's a moment where Adam Cole hands MJF the belt. Of course, MJF is like, hey, what are you doing with my belt? And of course, it's going to spark some dissension among the two of them. And you can kind of see the writing on the wall. Frankly, I don't care. If they keep these two together for a while, so be it. If they decide to split them up and heat up that feud again, I think it would work really well. So strangely, they found a way to make me care about these two way more than I ever did before when they were just in their singles feud. And if they decide to do a rematch with the two of them, I think it's going to be the hottest thing on TV. It's a pretty brilliant way to protect MJF's um, belt, like him as a champion, like give him a couple weeks and months, like for people to still be happy, get what they want and not be like, like where he needs to wrestle somebody substantial to keep the belt too. So it's almost like Adam Cole is serving as a great life raft to get him through the summer into like the wrestling months where it starts to really count and we need to get serious again. And I, you sent me the real mat of these guys dancing and oh my God, that is freaking amazing. Cause I didn't see it until just now when you described it. So that's, I mean, I'm, 
I say it all the time on the show, and I don't want to be redundant, but I am. MJF is must-see TV. And the guy is just so young, and we have so many years left to enjoy him. So protect that man, FL. And just to to interject one other thought on that, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. This past weekend, Becky and I are at the Atlanta airport on our way back from New York, which is a weird layover. But anyway, we're sitting there, and I don't know why, but in my brain, I was like, it would be really awesome to see a pro wrestler walk through the airport. Spoiler alert, I did not. But at one point I was telling Becky how this train of thought was going through my head and I showed her a picture of Hangman Adam Page. Like, how crazy would that be if this guy came through the airport, right? And she's like, I have no idea who this guy is. Keep in mind, I watch Dynamite every Wednesday night. She sits there on the couch next to me and she has no clue who Hangman Adam Page is. And she, But she follows it up with, the only AEW person I could tell you who it was is MJF. Like that's mm-hmm. the only AEW. She pays like absolutely no attention, but she knows my, who MJF is. My wife does the same thing. My wife's favorite show is Impractical Jokers, and when MJF sat in with Impractical Jokers, I was downstairs. She was upstairs. I even think we might have been in a slight argument that night, so we weren't even like friends that evening. She comes <laughs> downstairs and was like, "MJF's on Impractical Jokers," just in case you care. And I'm like, "Thanks, <laughs> okay." Thanks, well, man. I'll be right. As up. I told you guys, my my wife sits in the room, like you just said, like she sits in the room. I watch, pays very little attention. But there's certain moments, like for a long time now, she's she can't stand MJF. She just doesn't see the humor in him. But the dancing segment, she thought was pretty great. And it was like because it was great. It, it was. was amazing. I think she's you turning know. over a new leaf. Gary, you do know. you have any? Uh, does your wife love MJF or uh, uh, know who she is? Um, I, uh, no, uh, they, uh, they, they're very, uh, complimentary of my love of wrestling, but as a uh, girl dad, I am often, uh, alone in my watching, but every once in a while, Carrie will, but back to Mike, you said something that I think is worth repeating and or expanding on, which is in the old school days remember these guys would be doing house shows together they would be doing all kinds of other types of matches building up to something big i wonder to some extent if the combination of adam cole and mjf as tag partners is meant to help them grab more synergy with each other Uh, besides the obvious heat there is still the fact that Adam Cole was out for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, and maybe that, you know, there is something to having them together and wrestling together um, that, you know, I, I was a little disappointed in the the belt thing. I just, you know, like we know it's coming, but that to me was not a very authentic kind. It just was like a little bit more over the top than I expected. Um not that I don't expect something to happen, but I was a little disappointed that they chose that kind of thing. But uh, but all in all, the dance off was, was brilliant. Um, I am a little shocked at how uh, bad of a dancer Adam Cole and Sammy Guevara are, but otherwise, you know, life's good. Um, and I do think that the match itself um, was pretty good. I also don't want to dismiss the last part where. 
you know, Sammy and, and Daniel Garcia basically dismissed Jericho, which is interesting. Um, that at least gave us a little bit of glimpse into some of the dissension issues that might be going on there, which was great. But then when FTR came out, like I was thinking to myself, like, wow, this could be really good. Will it be as good as the match we're going to talk about probably next? That was on Collision. I don't know. But I definitely think that 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 tag match will be will be excellent. All I know is that I is my, I agree with everything you guys said. I lo- I'm here for it all. I love it all. But I will throw something through the tab- chair or throw something through the TV if uh, FTR loses the titles. I think that's way too far. That's like the most WWE thing they could do. It needs to end with the title match, whatever happens. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. And it actually would, I think, in some ways, bury FTR. They're like beating all these world-class teams, and then, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of lose the titles to a comedy act. And now, Yeah, that's, right. the, that's the tough part about, about that match. You know, um, the, you know, the previous match, previous matches, would be, title matches with FTR we've seen, you know, there is a, a sense of maybe this could be the time, but for this, it's a little too set up in a way where it's like, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how they how they play that out. They they maybe they have a surprise we're not aware of, but um, but all in all, it you know, Roddy Strong. Yeah, and and his his interview was like weird. Like he almost sounded like I don't know. It it. I wish he had a better presence because whatever he said was mum- or whatever he was mumbling um, in his anger, it was just kind of, you know, it just didn't come off as well as I would hope for him. And it's I'm hoping that they're using him in a way to either, you know, really push him in terms of some of his uh, character development. But tonight's little thing with the neck brace and him kind of, going, you know, it was just kind of, I don't know. I didn't think it was very well done. Well, I'm glad you brought up that match, Gary, because FTR is on tap for our last segment of the show. And I needed a neck brace after watching Collision on Saturday night when it was FTR versus Jay White and Juice Robinson because my head was in a tailspin (laughs) watching this. It was over 40 minutes, best out of two... Like best of three falls, was it, boys? Yes, it was, and it was fifty minutes long. Fifty-eight minutes long. I mean, boys, put me in a body bag because I don't want to live knowing like there might be a better match this year because I just can't take it because that was that was juiced, and it wasn't just Robinson. No, it was not. It was. I, so I, Gary and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. We we both happened to be on vacation on the East Coast this past weekend. So I didn't get around to watching this match until later. I actually put it on on YouTube last night uh, as I was starting to fall asleep. That was a horrible idea because I was not able to fall asleep after I saw <laughs> even just the highlights of the match. I, I think the YouTube version that AEW put out is maybe 13 minutes long. It's not the entire match by any means. Even the highlights were like, holy shit, this is like match of the year content mm-hmm. right now. For sure. And I think For sure. part of what made it that way to me, and I'll, this is the only thought I'll share because I'm sure everybody's got a lot to say about this match. What made this a match of the year co- 
contender for me is it seemed like the falls in this match were truly unpredictable. Mm-hmm. The lead up to everything, there was true like drama and the crowd was believing, I think, for a minute that FTR could lose. And Jay White and Juice Robinson came across as like true contenders in this, especially Jay White. Um, I mean, if you've watched New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I feel like this is like the fifth time tonight I've referenced it, but Jay White was a huge deal in New Japan. And I feel like when he came to AEW, I don't know that that necessarily translated super mm-hmm. well, um, unless you're a fan and familiar with who he was at the time. But I feel like if you weren't then, you are now, because this match made him look and feel like that guy that I watched in New Japan. So I was really happy to see that. Overall, I mean, yeah, the match was great, but I'll let you guys talk about the spots. Overall, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Jay White needed this match. Collision needed this match. Mm -hmm. FTR served as the catalyst that galvanized the show. Mm-hmm. Jay White and then Juice Robinson, who doesn't get enough shine, right. which is a very bold pairing to put these guys together because FTR is as Triple H as it gets. There's they stay hungry, they stay hard, and they're fucking humble, and they're always down to put others over. But they are champs, and they take what they deserve by the way that they wrestle, and they exude that confidence. They have the branding, they have the music. They needed they needed this match on this show to get this show recognized because it started off strong. It continued to be strong, but this match put it over the top. Did it not, Gary, you think? Uh, absolutely, and, uh, and well said. I mean, I think that the, the way that those four guys, it was so reminiscent of, uh, of uh, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, or horseman you know type match where those this you in those types of settings it you you, they always refer to this in some ways in a lot of different podcast wrestling podcasts that i listen to you know you have to have a good dance partner and you know like you can be the best wrestler in the world but if your dance partner isn't very good you know it's not gonna and the synergy was you know matt you were dead on like i was lost trying to figure out what was going to happen and that is what i love about professional wrestling or that's the thing that i miss the most because i felt like we've lost some of that but you want and here's the other thing very few if any high spots just pounding ground wrestling it was like literally an an early to mid 80s nwa kind of like brouhaha which i just absolutely love my uh, a couple of things. One, uh, it has been reported, and I've, I noticed a couple articles that have said Juice Robinson um, was delayed getting to the uh, arena, so they didn't necessarily have a lot of time to prep, and wow. so they, they called the match. Um, there were obvious spots that they knew they were going to do, but they pretty much called the match in the ring, which is a huge old school wonderfulness um, that is. Well, thank God that it was against FTR though. Yes. That would be the only team that could pull it off. I feel like, or, or like a, not the only one, but a couple of those guys. Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was really fascinating is um, would anyone like to guess who the producer of the match was? Ooh, Malenko. No. Yeah. Jarrett. No. Chris Jericho. 
Ari Sabari. What? Wow. Swear to God. Who is it? I didn't hear you. Ari Davari. Ari Davari. Who's that? Exactly. Did you botch that name? <laughs> no. That's no. he's a wrestler. He's and the, he came he over from the, NXT uh cruiserweight division too. Yeah, WWE. he's been with Tony Nese and that group. Um he was a huge oh. star in WWE main event. Jeez, come on. Yeah, real tall, <laughs> wow. dark hair. I believe he's of Indian descent. Um, uh um, oh, Middle okay. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Middle Eastern, yeah. Um dude. QT Marshall better watch his back, eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's what's fascinating is the fact that for as little as he wrestles and whatever, I would never put that together. But when I read that, I was like, wow, that is that was impressive. So um kudos that was to him. Yeah, kudos to him. I, the last thing I'll say about it is with respect to the with Jay White and Juice Robinson, my only fear is what's next for them if they don't capture the titles. Like it feels like they finally have have started to come into their own in terms of being main event type guys. And yet, like you know how it goes. Like you know what you know if they don't if mm-hmm. if they don't win, uh and they don't come up with a way to keep some sort of chemistry or synergy or excitement going. They're going to end up. Yeah. They'll either fight each other or they'll end up on, on rampage or something. And it's like, you know, I just, I hope they're always on collision. I hope that they're able to find a way to, I would love to see them expand their group, to be honest with you. Um, That would be my greatest hope for them, but um, but yeah, that's my, that was my only only fear. I was like, man, what is such a great match? And then I'm like, oh no, like what's gonna happen if they don't finish? Well, that's a really good point, Gary. I hadn't really thought about that, but you bring up a great point. Like FTR is clearly the team, and I don't see that changing. So every other tag team, I think fans are now conditioned to not necessarily take as seriously as maybe they used to. So. Yeah. Where does that leave Jay White and Juice Robinson? To, you know, maybe it's them saying, you know, we're close, we're great, but we just need something a little extra to get us over the finish line. And maybe that's how what leads to them adding a third member to Bullet Club Gold. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But I, I hope for the two of them that that they are able to find a, a something to catapult them to something else because they're brilliant they're brilliant in the ring i think juice robinson's hilarious with the way he screams and everything like that so it's been been awesome you know who they need who? that third member that you're talking about ari davari <laughs> no but ari davari needs to keep fucking booking these matches yeah. the way that he's doing <laughs> yeah because the guy that needs it and maybe the pairing that it might need to be that third member Wardlow. Like Wardlow. Yes. Just a little bit bigger than all of them. Athleticism to keep up with. Young, good looking. Ari Davari. Book it. Make it happen, baby. I want it. Steve, Come on, Mike. What did you think, Steve? I There's not much left to say. You guys covered it all, but I think, I mean, I would put that, I would say it was an all time and all time great. I would have to really think long and hard about a tag team match that comes to mind that I thought was better than that one. 
Um, mm-hmm. not saying there isn't, but man, it was just perfect. And it was like 58 hey. minutes that just went like a breeze. Like they had the crowd in the palm of their hand the entire time, and there was no lulls. Great storytelling. The closest match that it reminded me of was the Briscoe brothers versus FTR in that dog collar match with the oh, Ring yeah. of Honor, uh, Rise to Honor, or whatever show it was that got the buzz of best out of three falls. That's a good one. Yeah. That was a good one, too. Again, common yeah. denominator, FTR. Word up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, boys, it's getting a little late in the show. I know it's getting a little late over in Ohio, and, you know, Gary has to get his beauty rest, so we better take it to the mailbag real quick. And, I mean, we talked about this real, real early in the show, and it was about how war games had a big impact on our lives. And I don't know or not if I brought this up or not in past episodes. It is, I think this is Fall Brawl or War Games or something like that. It's WCW. It's basically when... Macho Man, Randy Savage, Sting, uh, Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger are all claiming to have drinking napalm going into the war games. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally my all-time favorite so promo, weird. pretty much. It's like, we're drinking Agent Orange, brother, and we're going straight to the top. Like, if you're five years old drinking an ecto-cooler juice box and uh, staying up at um, a timeshare in a hotel, because that's where I would watch wrestling because it had cable and my, like, <laughs> that's where I fucking did it. The only time I would actually be able to watch wrestling was in hotels on vacations. And the only time that I would have sugar cereal was on vacation. So all I did was drink juice boxes and drink sugar cereal and watch wrestling on the weekends. And maybe that's why I love wrestling today because of fond memories like this. And I think I actually saw this live and my life has never been the same. So let's get to it real quick before we gets to step in. It's Hulk Hogan sting macho man, WCW promo fall brawl drinking napalm. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight of yeah, War yeah. Games, the Hulkamaniacs versus the Dungeon of Doom and Hulk. Finally. As captain of the team, I've got to liken this to the invasion of Normandy in 1945. Well, you know, you can liken it to whatever you want, big dude. But right now, my War Games, my teams are together, brother, and we just drank a couple gallons of Agent Orange, brother. So we're impervious to pain, man. And with the Stingers aerial assault, the power of Luger breaking them in half, and the Macho Man coming from all different ways brother what are they gonna do when the team of maniacs declares war in just a couple minutes brother is there dissension here is there dissension not even i said what i had to say when i had to say it and the stinger he straightened me out united we stand need a little excitement watch this fearsome foursome we are yes. devastating, yes or no? That's the ticket, yes is the answer. Me, Gene, you know me. I'm sick and tired of talking. I just want to go to war instantly. It's one heck of a team that you're looking at right here. We got all of our oars in a row. And I don't want to talk anymore. Let's just go to the ring right now and tear them apart. Whoa, yeah. Now, Lex Luger, I don't know. Have you reached the comfort level? I've got around? the camouflage on. War games are on. I'm with them. I'm ready to go. It's the tell the bell tolls right 
right now. It's time to turn it on, and we are together as together can be. All right. Well, you know something, Eugene? Oh, yeah. We were questioning our own integrity a few minutes ago, but all I had to do was look Lex in the eyes, brother, and I knew right then he was American-made from head to toe, brother. So the macho man told us, DTA, don't trust anybody. Don't take no prisoners, brother. And my team is focused now on getting rid of the dungeon of goom, brother, because I want five minutes with the Taskmaster. You know, baby, they've all got red, white, and blue running through their veins because they were born and raised in the USA, and we're ready for war games, baby! All right, Hulk, I'll tell you what. I feel real sorry for anybody who gets on our way to and from the ring and what happens in the middle. We cannot be held responsible for. Lex, Flex, Macho, Sting, and the Holster. We're going to run wild in the double steel cage. What are they going to do, brothers? What are they going to do? We're going to use him as bait, man. Let's set him up. He'll be a good bait. Come on, let's go, Mean Gene. All right, uh, they are headed toward the ring for war games. And, of course, don't forget about the match beyond. It is the Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Sting, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Lex Luger against the Dungeon of Doom, led by the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, Shark, Kamala, Zodiac Man, and Ming, the face of terror. Pull up your socks and get ready. Michael Buffer, let's get to the ring. Nothing better, boys. Oh, Gotta love it. It makes it just makes me it it just gives me a warm feeling inside, not because of the napalm, but because of the people that that we were able to hear from. I mean that that those are some of the best characters in wrestling, that collection right there. And so like <laughs> I mean, off the just, chain. Off the well, chain. That's great. They're dressed up in like the face yeah. paint, the camouflage. <laughs> I mean, they're literally trying to take this to they look they're probably more strung out on drugs than Vietnam veterans. And shout out to the vets out there. Thank you for your service. But uh <laughs> they are freaking going ballistic on this promo with Mean Gene. He has no idea how to handle it. I think they were on like a five-day bender. Probably, I mean, we brought up cocaine earlier. I mean, I've never done it, but I'm sure it was involved in this promo. But anyway, uh, this has been a great show. Blood and Guts was super fun tonight. And you know what? When I'm with you boys, I would give my blood and guts. I jump in front of a car for you boys because of the loyal, you know, we hop on this show. This is pretty much all volunteer. We don't get paid a lot, but we get paid some because the payment is these three simple words. And it is stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hot. Oh, Triple H. And wait, we get paid? (laughs) 